Welcome to the English Language Institute of Singapore's podcast. This is the fourth episode of a four-part series on the developments in English language teaching and learning in Singapore from the 1950s to the present. In this podcast series, Dr. Tay Mei Yin, Principal Master Teacher, highlights to us through her conversations with three English language educators that amidst the changes in the focus and approaches to the teaching and learning of English language through the decades, there has been continuity. In this series, you can listen to her conversations with Mrs. Cecil Tan, Dr. Christina Rutnam, and Mrs. Rebecca Mock, all of whom have taught English language to different profiles of students in Singapore classrooms. We hope that this series inspires you to think about what it means to teach students English language. Hello, Dr. Tay. Hello, Audrey. In this fourth episode, we'll listen to Mrs. Rebecca Mock speak about the critical role of teachers in the English language classrooms, particularly in face of the bewildering technological tools and resources before us. In the first three episodes of this podcast series, I had highlighted three perennial evergreens in English language teaching and learning. In spite of the five decades of evolution in the focus and approaches to English language teaching and learning, the three perennial evergreens are first, the importance of oracy development, second, the knowledge and understanding that teachers of English language must have about the subject and the discipline of English language, and third, the important role of the teacher in the classroom. Let's listen to what Rebecca has to say with strong conviction about what it means to be effective teachers in English language classrooms. It is clear to me that her beliefs are based on her rich experiences and keen observations as an English language teacher, language educator, and school leader for over 50 years. A teacher at heart, Rebecca went back into the classroom and continued to teach for 14 years after her formal retirement. I'm just going to make three points. And first, I want to make the point that teachers should try to create a classroom where there are opportunities to use language. I mean, students need to be active learners, you know, not passive. Gone are the days when they would just sit and listen. They have to be active learners. So I'm going back to the good old methods of pair and group work. And to use pair and group work, to cover the domains, the four domains, which we're also familiar with, speaking, listening, reading, writing. I think in every classroom for language learning, all these four skills or domains should play a part. So, for example, if you begin with giving students some stimulus, I think they love video clips. There's so much out there in YouTube. So give them a video clip to begin with, and then they follow up with pair group work, and then follow up further with more reading and writing. So it has to come full cycle. 
maybe I shall just jump into my second point now. The language teacher has to be very aware that learning is meaningful if it's contextualized. So contextualized meaning that to use language in a meaningful way with real content and not isolated units of language. So, I mean, in the old days, way, way back, I think, when did I first start teaching in the 60s, 70s? You know, you just give them a passage and then they answer questions on it. You know, isolated use of language there is not going to sink in. So, to contextualize language use, and again, an example might help to put it in a context. And that is why I think reading should be also, just give them a short story, for example. Give them a short story. Good short stories always have conflicts. Get them to write a dialogue about that conflict between, you know, the protagonist, the antagonist, and they write that dialogue based on the short story they read. Or they might change the ending of the story. So that's an example of contextualizing how you use language. And that brings me to my third point, because we think that to read is important, and absolutely, I do, I do believe that. You know, there's this old saying, reading is to the mind, but exercise is to the body. But what would students want to read? And this is the part that is so important for the teacher to play, to find material content that would engage the present-day learners. And, you know, the internet is rich, so rich in the material. Notice, Audrey, that Rebecca believes at first, learning is meaningful if it is contextualized. And second, teachers must create opportunities for students to use the language. Integral to what Rebecca says is the importance of contextualization as one of the principles of English language teaching and learning. In the monograph on 50 years of developments in English language teaching and learning in Singapore, I had referred to the principle of contextualization as one of the six principles of language teaching and learning advocated in the English language syllabus 1991. This principle of contextualization, which is explained as designing learning tasks for students to learn language in authentic and meaningful contexts, is what we regularly refer to in the first letter, C, in CLIPS. The principles of English language teaching and learning in English language syllabus 2020. This shows us that CLIPS had its very first beginnings 30 years ago. What an aha moment for me, Dr. Tay. I realized too from listening to your conversations with Mrs. Cecil Tan, Dr. Christina Ratnam and Mrs. Rebecca Mock that there has been continued emphasis on the centrality of oracy in the teaching and learning of English language. Most certainly. Let's listen to what Rebecca has to say about the teaching of oracy. We should note that she holds the same views as Cecil and Christina, both of whom also speak about how important oracy development is for students. 
Rebecca, before you go on to the next point, if I could just yes. clarify, when you say pair work, group work, and you're thinking of pair work and group work where the students engage in talk with one another. Yes. And what is the rationale for encouraging or promoting talk at the start before reading and writing? I think for communication, we need to be listening and then to be expressing, first of all, orally, before we then do writing, you know, expressing ourselves in a written form. So I feel that it is um, total experience in the use of language. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how classrooms are set up now, but some are already set up as groups. But even if they are in straight rows, it's very easy for a student to turn around mm -hmm. and face each other for group work. And of course, we all know the protocol for group work. You've got to appoint a leader, a recorder. At the more sophisticated level, you've got to have a moderator, arbitrator, someone who challenges, for example, devil's advocate. So I think teachers are all well informed about these methods. So in describing what you had just done, it seems to me that there is a critical role that the teacher has in the language classroom. It should therefore be clear to us that language learning involves students participating actively in exploratory talk, including inquiry through dialogue. So, in whichever decade of teaching English language from the 1950s to the present, we as language educators share the same goal, that of enabling our students to be effective communicators. Rebecca, tell us about your view of what makes for or how would you describe a student or students who are effective communicators? Okay, I think as a basis for effective speaking, be grammatical. You see, we cannot assume that the person listening to us understands the kind of English that we use among ourselves, you know. So I think... Clear grammatical English, first of all, first and foremost. Of course, for the sophisticated learner, he knows how he can, using informal English, among friends, or informal English, let's say if he's writing. But let's just start with grammatical clear language use. Now, I know that students are getting grammar activities, but I hope it's not done in isolation. Because my own experience has been that if I give them grammar exercises to do, they are able to handle it perfectly. You know, for example, fill in the blank with the right tense or fill in the blank with the correct adjective or the correct adverb. They can do all that. They can handle it. When I heard Rebecca say this, I thought about how she shares exactly the same view as Christina. In episode 3, Christina speaks about grammar being a fundamental building block for effective language use. It is my view too that in the context of language use in Singapore, 
which is influenced by factors such as bilingualism and the changing socio-economic landscape, our students' competent command of English is crucial. Hence, the importance of balancing the principles of contextualization and process orientation in the teaching of grammar. This means that we should teach grammar in context as well as explicitly. Dr. Tay, there's increased emphasis on e-pedagogy and blended learning in our classrooms. How do you think teachers can use technology to enhance teaching and learning? Let's listen to what Rebecca has to say in relation to your question, Audrey. So what would you say would be two or three key essentials that English language teacher needs to be conscious about? I think, Mayan, you asked how teacher can play his or her part. You asked whether a teacher is important in the classroom, and absolutely, absolutely, the teacher is irreplaceable, absolutely irreplaceable in the classroom. Technology can never replace the teacher. You know, the teacher is essential, vital in the classroom. Rebecca, what advice would you give English language heads of department, teacher leaders and teachers on how they can grow themselves? How can they develop themselves so that they can better meet the needs of their students? That is um, indeed a very big question, Mayin. They are right there in the classroom, right there meeting their students every day. I think that question could be asked of them. What support can the ministry give you? What support can your facilitators in the ministry give you to help you in your teaching? I think, yeah, that's you. that question could be put to the teachers. But personally, I have said I left the classroom three years ago. Were I to go back to the classroom now, the thing I would ask for most of all is how to use technology in a meaningful contextualized way for students to learn. And I do stress the word meaningful because let me give an example of how I saw technology used in the classroom. I was once HOD also in my last job in a school. And I went into his classroom and he said, okay, guys, take out your laptops, take out your phones and continue with your blog. Oh, they were very happy very briskly <laughs> with alacrity. They took out their devices and there they were writing to each other in their blogs and teacher was happily sitting back, you know, just enjoying the scene. Oh, very active classroom there. But to me, what were they writing? Anything, any old thing under the sun. That is not what I mean by good use of technology. So personally, I wouldn't know now if I were in a classroom how to use technology well, but perhaps that is something teachers might want to ask for. There you have it, Audrey. The response to your question on how teachers can use technology to enhance the teaching and learning of English language. Teachers are indeed irreplaceable. We play such a critical role in making pedagogically sound decisions about the design of student learning and the choices of tools and resources we use, including 
digital network sources and texts. Dr. Tay, thank you for giving us your insights on the developments in the teaching and learning of English language from the 1950s to the present. You're most welcome, Audrey. In this four-part series, I have highlighted the perennial evergreens that we should note. First, the importance of oracy development. Second, the knowledge and understanding that we must have about the discipline of English language. And third, the important role we have in the English language classroom as teachers. The responsibility we each have as teachers of English language is to continue to reflect on these questions. First, who are we? Second, what are our roles? Third, what competencies do we continue to need to build to meet the ever-changing needs and profiles of our learners? Fourth, what beliefs and practices do we uphold and why? And fifth, what shifts will we continue to make to our beliefs and practices in order to cater to our students' readiness, interests and learning profiles? Thank you for listening to this episode on the developments in English language teaching and learning in Singapore featuring Principal Master Teacher Dr. Tay Mei Yin. I am sure you have been inspired as much as I have by the accounts and recounts of three language educators, Mrs. Cecil Tan, Dr. Christina Ratnam and Mrs. Rebecca Mock. If you have not listened to the previous episodes, we have included the links to episodes 1, 2 and 3 in the show notes. This episode's show notes can be found at go.gov.sg forward slash ELIS podcast. Thank you for listening.